In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, <laughs> if you were here last week, uh, you'll know that um, our reading today is a bit like father, like son, apparently. Last week, uh, the women's lectionary gave us the story of the rape of Bathsheba by David. I encourage you to listen to Matt's sermon from last week about that. Um, and this week, we read about the rape of Tamar by Amnon, David's firstborn son. Tragically, this cycle of abuse and trauma repeats itself. And the people who pay the highest price in these stories are the kind of people that Jesus talks about in his parable as the least of these, my brothers and sisters, the ones without power, the ones who can't do anything about their situation, the marginalized, the vulnerable, and especially the women in these stories. But friends, our good news today is that when he is fully enthroned in the glory of his resurrection, Jesus will bring justice to the least of these, his abused and oppressed siblings, gathering them in and shielding them in God's shelter. Beloved, in light of this promise, where we have been dehumanized and exploited ourselves, let us take courage today and cry out to God for vindication. And let us all participate today in God's justice by standing with and advocating for the least of these, trusting that because of what God has done in Christ, we will all experience the goodness of God in the land of the living. Amnon, in our story, was obsessed with his beautiful half-sister Tamar. The text says he loved her, but, and this is likely the story he told himself about his feelings. But the rest of the story shows that this was nothing close to love, at least not the love that we see manifested in Jesus Christ, but simply a desire to possess and to use without regard for her human agency, without regard for her created image-bearing. So with the help of a scoundrel of a cousin, that guy sounds like a piece of work, doesn't he? Amnon devises a plan to get alone with Tamar by pretending to be sick, knowing that his father David, he's the firstborn, will do anything he wants. He'll come and visit him. Oh, what's wrong? What do you need? And give him whatever he wants. And so this happens. David comes. He's very concerned about his firstborn son. And Amnon says, please have Tamar, my half-sister, your daughter, bring me some of those heart cakes she makes. And David commands Tamar to do so. And as the story, as we heard, Tamar begins to feed him. Amnon grabs her, seizes her, and demands sex from her. And Tamar protests, no, do not, my brother, do not rape me. Such a thing is not done in Israel. Do not commit this sacrilege. And I, where would I go with my shame? And as for you, you would be considered one of the outcasts in Israel. But twice the text says, Amnon did not listen to her. Does not listen to Tamar's righteous protest and instead overpowers her and rapes her. And then compounds his sin by despising her and sending her away. Despite her pleas for mercy. 
And the story gets worse because David hears about what happens. He becomes angry at his son's behavior, but refuses to do anything about it because he doesn't want to make his son mad, doesn't want to make his son sad. So he will not hold his son accountable because he's his firstborn son. And again, the text says, and he loved him. And I'm beginning to think whether this family knows anything about love. There's that word again. David chooses to protect his reputation and the reputation of his son over seeking justice for his daughter. David coming quickly to visit his sick son and doing whatever it takes to bring him back to health stand in stark contrast to his avoidance of his raped daughter and his refusal to stand with her and advocate for her. None of the powerful men in Tamar's life honor her, protect her, or advocate for her. But as our psalm reading said, even if my mother and father forsake me, and again, we imagine Tamar praying with us, the compassionate God will gather me in. Wait for the living God. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for God whose name is holy. And so, again, we hear this good news today, despite this horrific story, that when he is fully enthroned in the glory of his resurrection, Jesus will bring justice to the least of these, his abused and oppressed siblings, gathering them in, shielding them in God's shelter. Beloved, in light of this promise where we have been dehumanized and exploited, let's take courage and cry out to God for vindication. And let us all participate in God's justice today by standing with and advocating for the least of these, trusting that because of what God has done in Christ, we will all see the goodness of God in the land of the living. We see this good news especially in our gospel reading today, where Jesus offers a picture of the final judgment, which is meant to encourage his beleaguered little band of disciples to persevere in faithfulness despite injustice. The disciples are the least of these kindred of mine. That's how they would have heard this story. They're, they're the least of these. They go out in mission with Jesus, and they're treated badly often. And Jesus says, keep persevering, because in the final judgment, people will be judged based on how they responded to you, you little band of disciples. Jesus promises to judge the nations based on how they treat the least of these. And to one group in the story, he gives honor and blessing and invites them into the full participation of God's empire, which is now being established. On what basis? Well, Jesus says, I was hungry, and y'all gave me food to eat. I was thirsty, and y'all gave me a drink. I was a stranger, y'all welcomed me. I was naked, y'all clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and y'all visited me. And they're dumbfounded. When did we do this, Lord? And here's the statement, truly as I tell you, as much as y'all did it for one of the least of these, my kindred, you did it for me. To the other group, he speaks condemnation and punishment because they did not recognize Jesus in the marginalized little community of disciples. Truly I tell you, as much as y'all did not do for one of the least of these, my kindred, you did not do it to me. Notice here, the contrast between how Jesus embodies kingship and how David 
embodies kingship. David, when confronted with one of the least of these in his kingdom, in the form of his own abused daughter, Tamar, turns away from her, avoids her, to preserve his own status, to not have to have an uncomfortable conversation with his son. Jesus, by contrast, rather than avoiding or othering the vulnerable ones, becomes a vulnerable one himself, fully identifying with his abused and oppressed disciples whom he calls his own family, my kindred, my sisters, my brothers. So full is his identification with the least of these that whatever we do to the least of these is what we do to Jesus. So in this sense, we could say Tamar was a sister of Jesus, is a sister of Jesus. And all victims of abuse of any kind are siblings of Jesus. And Jesus stands with and advocates for Tamar and all his vulnerable ones and judges the nations based on how they treat the least of these, my kindred. And so when he is fully enthroned in the glory of his resurrection, Jesus will bring justice to the least of these, his abused, his oppressed siblings. He'll gather them in and shield them in, the, in God's shelter. So, beloved, where we have experienced dehumanization and exploitation in light of this promise, let us cry out to God for vindication. And let's stand with, let's participate in God's justice by standing with and advocating for the least of these. Trusting that because of what God has done in Christ, we will all experience the goodness of God in the land of the living. So, how do we respond to this good news? I would just say this. If you are in touch with today your own vulnerability, dehumanization, experiences of exploitation, ways that you've been taken advantage of, don't just bury it and try to move on. Instead, cry out to God for justice. The nice thing about this is that we don't even have to make up our own words. So many of the Psalms are filled with people who are at the end of their rope and don't know what else to do and just cry out to God in their anger and in their pain. It's all there in the Psalms. So cry out to God for justice. And I want to encourage us all as a community to continue to learn what it means to stand with and advocate for the least of these especially remembering today victims of sexual assault. The Me Too and Church Too, Church Too movements that have happened over the last few years have opened our eyes, haven't they, to the rampant, undealt with sexual harassment and abuse in our culture, but also in the church. So let's learn together how to become a safe place for people who have been abused. Let's learn together how to be trauma-informed and trauma-sensitive, and trauma-responsive. Let's learn together what to say and what not to say when someone takes up the courage that it takes to share a story with us of abuse. There's wisdom out there for us, and we can learn how to become a safe place. Let's learn how to stand in solidarity with the abused. Let's learn to receive the presence of the abused as the presence of Jesus and creatively discern the concrete forms that that solidarity might take. So, for example, in our New Testament reading, it's interesting, the, the, the readings that, um, that uh, Dr. Gaffney put together for this 
Sunday in the lectionary, the women's lectionary. In the New Testament reading, Paul tells the Corinthian believers not to associate with anyone who claims to be following Jesus but is unrepentantly acting in harmful or predatory ways. This kind of thing is not cancel culture. This is called accountability. It means that following Jesus means something. It's a way to bring prophetic clarity to an abusive situation. And it's an important aspect of embodying the love of God in our life together. Because the way we treat our Tamars is the way that we treat Jesus. Truly I tell you, Jesus says to us today, as much as y'all did it for one of the least of these victims of sexual assault, y'all did it to me. Beloved, living in this way makes us ready for the judgment of the living and the dead, where Jesus will bring justice to the least of these, sheltering his abused and oppressed siblings and leading us all into experiencing the goodness of God in the land of the living. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.